Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Do you enjoy hearing the tech news delivered by smart, informed people? Me too. Learn more about how you can support this show at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, July 17th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Scooter Lane. And, wow, I didn't expect that one, even though you said before that you would. Uh, From uncharacteristically uh, warm Finland, I'm Patrick Beja. Ah, putting a hell in Helsinki, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. It's like 30 degrees, which is, I looked it up, 86. And let me tell you, Finland is not used to that kind of uh, weather. It's warmer in Finland than it is in Los Angeles. Interesting. Interesting. don't you find that interesting, producer Roger Chang? Uh, yes, I find it mildly interesting, as I would. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to talk about an interesting article from Quartz, as a matter of fact, about uh, problems that reformed and released uh, past criminals, people who have served their time, paid their debt to society, are having with sharing services, particularly Airbnb. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung announced a completed fabrication, functional testing, and validation of a prototype 8-gigabit LPDDR5 module capable of data rates up to 6.4 gigabits per second per pin. The LPDDR5 standard itself has yet to be completed, and the JEDEC, which is the Solid State Technology Association, only first announced work on DDR5 last year, with the specification due at some point this year. TLDR, if you prefer, faster memory with shorter battery life coming to phones. Uh, LPDDR5. I think I'll wait for LPDDR6. That's (sighs) just like you. (laughs) The world's longest running successful digital banking network, M-Pesa, is in talks with the Ethiopian government to expand into that country, according to Reuters sources. Uh, Safricom's M-Pesa has around 20 million active users in Kenya, transforming the economy as it allows people easier access to financial services. And Liquid Telecom and Telecom Egypt announced the signing of a memorandum of understanding to complete Africa's terrestrial 
fiber network. Not running out into the ocean. They've got those going on, but this one will go only over land all the way from Cape Town to Cairo. Liquid Telecom will link its network from Sudan into Telecom Egypt's network through a new cross-border connection, completing the One Africa broadband network project that has been underway for more than 10 years. Excellent. Oh, it's Safaricom, by the way, not Safaricom. Ah, no worries. Sorry. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about patent wars. <laughs> Yay. Uh, IBM is seeking $167 million in a lawsuit against Groupon, which IBM accuses of using patented technology without IBM's authorization. An attorney representing IBM told a jury in federal court in Delaware that Groupon infringed patents describing fundamental e-commerce technology that had already been licensed to Amazon. Amazon, Facebook, and Google for between $20 million and $50 million per company. Groupon argues that IBM was overreading the scope of its patents and claiming or ownership of building blocks of the internet. Yeah, one of the arguments Groupon's making is, uh, we're doing this on the web. These patents from Prodigy years don't apply to the web, and IBM didn't invent the web, so they shouldn't apply. Which I'm not sure that's the way patents really work, but two of the patents are from the Prodigy online service era. They expired in 2015, so what IBM's going after is the Groupon use of them up until 2015. They're not trying to assert expired patents. They're saying you were using them when they were not expired, and so you owe us money for that. But basically, IBM makes about 2% of its revenue from patent enforcement, and it's high margin. I mean, other than the legal costs for enforcing it, they don't have to spend a lot of money on that. Well, and I'm not going to speculate if, if the two are related, but we do know that Groupon is looking to sell itself and has been for a while. So one might wonder if... You're going to defend yourself in court because what else are you going to do? But you're also possibly hoping to get an influx of money in order to make this whole thing go away. U.S. Representative Mike Kaufman of Colorado has introduced the 21st Century Internet Act, which would ban blocking, throttling, paid prioritization. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, 
Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone and place Internet regulation firmly under the jurisdiction of the FCC, not the FTC. The bill would modify the Communications Act of 1934 with a new Title VIII for the Internet. The rules are similar in the bill to the 2015 Open Internet guidelines that were recently removed by the FCC. That would include handling cases of zero rating on a case-by-case basis. It also specifically bars the FCC from rate regulation and does not classify ISPs as common carriers. However, Kaufman's efforts are up against Tennessee Representative Marsha Blackburn's ISP-favored legislation that would prevent any net neutrality rules from being reinstated. Representative Kaufman from Colorado, however, said he will also sign off on the Congressional Review Act movement that wants to reverse the FCC order to remove the open Internet guidelines. That act passed the Senate 52 to 47 in May, but is about 45 votes short in the House. So three things going on. One is a vote to overturn the FCC's recent removal of net neutrality. Uh, And Kaufman's on board for that, but it looks like they're not going to get the votes in the House. Second is a bill from Marsha Blackburn that is basically written by the ISPs to say, let's make it the law that you can't put those old rules back into place. And then Kaufman's uh, legislation, which would take those 2015 rules with some modifications and make them the law of the land so you don't have this constantly changing uh, set of rules based on who's in charge of the FCC. So I think for somebody who's like, all right, that's a lot of details. As a person who favors net neutrality, Who do I side with here, Tom? If you are (laughs) against net neutrality, you should favor Marsha Blackburn. Her rule will say, no more. You just can't do it anymore. We're going to make it the law of the land that you can't put net neutrality rules in place. And that would give you stability. If you are for net neutrality, you probably want the overturning. Uh, that passed in the Senate but doesn't have the votes in the House because that would just revert things to the way they were before Ajit Pai's FCC came into being uh, and, and put them back as they were in 2015. Then the one that I prefer is Representative Kaufman's, which says, let's stop the ping pong game uh, and let's make some sensible net neutrality regulations in place. Now, there are people who argue that Kaufman's rules aren't exactly the same as the 2015 ones, and they might allow some internet uh, interconnection shenanigans and a few other things, but it's the best of these three options according to what I think. Let's move on to Walmart versus Amazon. Walmart will use Microsoft's cloud technology for purchase and sales data sharing with vendors. The two companies announced a five-year deal today. Walmart plans to deploy Microsoft's machine learning and artificial intelligence and other services to not only help employees, but also cut costs as it invests in growing sales online. Walmart is, is, is investing aggressively because it needs to better compete with Amazon. And Satya Nadella, uh, in a statement about the uh, the five year deal, uh, pretty much said the same. Yeah, we got to compete with Amazon. This is the way that we're we're going to do it with the two companies working together. Wonder Twins activate Walmart mm-hmm. and Microsoft. How about that? I wonder what other options they realistically had. I guess maybe Google. Yeah, in um, fact, there was something in one of the articles I read about Walmart being tied up with Google, but worried about some of their advertising practices and their data collection, mm-hmm. data privacy practices. Oh, that's actually really interesting mm-hmm. uh, because now that, in, well, in this vertical, you have Amazon, obviously, who is getting into retail. So other retailers, well, they might, you know, go to AWS for their cloud needs, but it, I'm sure they would feel a little bit better if they had someone else uh, for that. 
and in that case, clearly uh, Google is an option, but certain things come with that. And Microsoft is the alternative, which it probably wouldn't have been if uh, Satya Nadella, if we didn't get the Satya mania. So again, it seems like Nadella had a, a clear vision of the future and it's coming to pass. At least Microsoft is in the game in that category and uh, it's benefiting them. And don't forget Walmart owns Flipkart in India now. So they're they're up against Amazon in India as well with uh, an endemic. Flipkart is from India. Uh, and so partnering with Microsoft there helps them combat Amazon again without having to bring Google into that market. Netflix subscribers reached 130 million worldwide last quarter, but that was 1 million fewer than expected. Netflix added 4.47 million subscribers internationally below the expected 4.97 million and added 670,000 subscribers in the U.S., below the 1.19 million expected. Netflix said it had over-forecasted quarterly fluctuations in the pace of new customers. Uh, Netflix reported Q2 revenue of $3.91 billion, up 40% year-over-year, and earnings per share of $0.85 versus $0.15 in the year-ago quarter. Yeah, uh, a lot of headlines are overblowing this, you know, saying uh, Netflix is done, they're over, uh, and and they're not. Nobody uh, said that, Tom. Th- there are, there are, no, there are headlines who say that. that Netflix I, I, is done? Yeah, I have read that headline okay, okay. over the past 24 hours. Okay. okay. So okay. I'm, that's why I'm saying, don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> but they are growing slower than they expected, uh, and certainly growing slower over time, I think it's four quarters in a row now of slowing growth, but they're still growing. So it's just that they're they're hitting saturation a little faster because I, I think for consumers, it's, it's good news. We're getting more competition out of Amazon and Hulu. It's odd that Netflix would be overestimating uh in succession quarter after quarter, which Reed Hastings said, yeah, we've done this before. This has happened before. It's, you know, not the end of the world. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Um, you would think, especially because Netflix has been such a darling of, of you know, this new kind of cord cutting life and and with a lot of original content and, and, and a lot of subscriber growth, uh, nobody is accusing Netflix of, yeah, going away or being done. But you'd think that they'd almost just say, let's just undercut ourselves so that each quarter we come out ahead but i know there's more to it than that Mm. i wonder if the recent price increases also have something to do with it because it's not the super cheap uh option that you get without even thinking about it and as people get 4k tvs the price is even higher than the hd uh subscription so that might play into it as well and uh, regardless, if they are reaching kind of a ceiling slowly, uh, because I guess everyone who wants Netflix already has it, um, either they're going to have to produce different things or start chasing uh countries and communities that are coming online now we mentioned india in the case of walmart uh, earlier with flipkart i wouldn't be surprised if just like we've seen chinese and korean shows invade the service uh in the last couple of years 
we, we would start seeing Chinese and Indian and other countries shows fairly soon. Well, and Netflix, Netflix is launching some of their first big originals in India. Uh, that was part of their earnings call. Oh, so, so you're, you're right on target there. They are, they are targeting those markets where they have the highest potential of growth. And you're also, I think you're absolutely right about the price sensitivity. Netflix underestimates how sensitive their customers are to price. And every time they have a price increase, it tends to impact the next earnings quarter. And then they act surprised, like, oh, we didn't really expect subscriber growth to slow so much. So um, I, I think there might be something to that. I mean, that said, we talk about Netflix, like, have we reached saturation? They added 4.47 million subscribers internationally. Yes, it's, gro- it's it's slowing in the U.S. We're under a million in the last quarter, but the growth is still quite high. It was internal forecast that they, they missed. Uh, I don't I don't think we've gotten That's to saturation true, yeah. yet. Yeah, no, they missed they miss analyst expectations too. Uh, it wasn't just internal, but it's it's high it's high growth either way, right? So it's it, your point still stands. Uh, Sacred Games is the company's first original Indian series, launched just over a week ago, and uh, according to Netflix, already has great success. But then you have to rely on Netflix's word for that stuff. But oh, I just saw it in the trending thing in Netflix uh, earlier today. Yeah, true. All right. Bloomberg has an article about WHIM, W-H-I-M, which combines multiple transit options into a monthly subscription, sometimes known in the biz as mobility as a service. 49 euros a month gets you unlimited bus travel, short rental bike rides and discounts on taxi rides and rental cars. But you don't have to switch around with a bunch of different apps. It's all done in one. Uh, Part of what makes it possible is Helsinki, where it launched, makes mobility as a service part of its legislation strategy. They've been doing that since 2011. That helps kind of set the groundwork. Public transit operators offer APIs. They offer mobile tickets. That makes it easier to combine them into an app. WIM right now has 45,000 users. Some of them just use it because it's easy. Uh, They don't actually pay for the monthly subscription. They just know that all the transit passes will be in there. About 5,100 people do pay for that monthly subscription, and they need 60,000 users in order to get the bulk discounts that would make them able to become profitable. They're also operating in Birmingham, UK, and Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, Now, Patrick, I know you haven't used WIM, but you know Helsinki. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a medium-sized city. It's not small, but I can absolutely see how these kinds of uh, services would be successful. Uh, One of the people uh, Bloomberg talked to uh, in the article was saying that they had a car and they got rid of it. Another one was considering getting rid of it. You can't do that in every kind of city. Uh, Helsinki is is relatively small in its center. Uh, You can go everywhere walking anyway if you live uh, close enough to the center it's also very orderly Um, speed in the city center is often restricted to 30 kilometers per hour which is i don't know two miles per hour um no (laughs) not that slow but but yeah it's fairly slow you're not speeding through the city center exactly and um they also have a lot of uh obviously transport uh, transportation services, the bikes and the other things must be coming now. Um, they are legislating this fairly heavily. Uh, Uber was forbidden, I think, until the beginning of the year, or maybe it's going to come back next year. Um, but definitely the the thing that is attractive in all of this, if your city infrastructure supports it, and many do, um, get one app. One, I, you know, I had never thought of this until now, 
but the convenience factor is in, is huge. Um, in Paris, we also have the bikes, share, uh, the shared bikes, although they seem to be going away. We have cars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for each of those, you need a different card, a different app, a different subscription. I think that would push um, a, a subscription quite a bit if you only had one app. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I I look at Google Maps kind of as a, a manual version of this, right? Uh, at least in, in a lot of the towns that I end up in, they include Uber and Lyft in the Google Map directions options. So I can say, okay, I need to get here. What's my transit option? What's my Uber and Lyft time and, and, and estimated cost? What about walking? What about driving? If it could say, if I could say, I need to get from here to there, and it could say, oh, well, if you want to get there fastest, use this combination of transit options. If you want to get there cheapest, use this combination of transit options. We have it all in there, so you don't have to worry about getting a pass or anything. Uh, we'll just prop up the proper you know, uh, QR code when you need it. That sounds wonderful, just having mm-hmm. it all together like that. Don't you agree? No, yeah, absolutely. I was nodding in, in total agreement. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you nodding. Uh, side note, BMW combining its uh, ride hailing and car share service into one in Seattle right now, too. So this may be a trend that we'll see. I mean, Uber and Lyft also uh, getting bike services uh, and adding them uh, into their options. You, you're going to see more of this consolidation. I think this is a trend that's beginning. Yeah, and isn't it uh, Volkswagen who announced a few days ago that they were basically becoming a transportation company with scooters and, mm-hmm. and rental cars and everything? So, yeah, yeah. it's really happening. Speaking of scooter, uh, we have something to talk with Sarah about. To get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. This is a problematic uh, uh, a nickname of mine because we're not actually about to talk about scooters. No, that's true. That's just uh, what we decided to call me. Hannah Kozlowska actually wrote an article for Quartz about Airbnb grappling with how to treat people with criminal convictions. Uh, essentially, Sarah, it, it, with, with a few examples, uh, including a person that, that wrote an editorial in the USA Today, mm-hmm. uh, this article talks about how there are people who have been convicted maybe 16 years ago, uh, serve their time, and are reformed, but they can't get an Airbnb rental because they do background checks on people who apply to rent an Airbnb. Yeah, this particular person that was the subject of the Quartz article, but, it be, you know, it's a, it's a larger subject overall, had written an op-ed in USA Today last month about being denied booking an Airbnb. It was in Washington, D.C. Uh, he was there for, um, it was a, you know, pro-gun control rally of, of sorts. And he said it was because they ran a standard background check on him that flagged him because he served 10 years in prison for a felony back in the day. He's now a free citizen, uh, considers himself a social justice activist, uh, active in the community, um, rehabilitation for others, etc. So it highlights an interesting conundrum for Airbnb specifically, certainly not the only company that's grappling with this, but Airbnb is kind of an interesting use case because even though not everybody who Airbnbs their place out anymore truly lives in that place, a little bit of a gray area. That was what the whole premise of Airbnb was, is I'm going to go out of town for a week. I'd like to make some money. I want someone to live in my house and use all my stuff and be in my kitchen and, and, and be in my space. It's a very, it's a, it's a, um, it's an intimate kind of a 
relationship that you have with a stranger. You want to make sure that you vet them properly. Airbnb has some rules. So if a person is on a sex offender registry, they're banned. If you have a conviction for murder, rape, terrorism, child molestation results in a permanent ban on the platform as well. However, less serious crimes such as this is how Airbnb defines them. Felony burglary, felony larceny uh, results in a ban of 14 years from the date that you were convicted. So if you were convicted a long time ago, it's been 14 years since then, should not necessarily be an issue. Lesser offenses yet, fraud, property damage, get you banned for seven years from the date of conviction. And then there are minor offenses such as marijuana possession. Some people might consider that a big offense. Airbnb says that disorderly conduct. Airbnb is not going to ban users. However, a host can refuse a booking if they don't feel right about it. And I think that Airbnb is smart to let a host do that because again, this is somebody that's in your space. This is your home. Uh, You don't want somebody, you know, doing anything that's going to make you uncomfortable. And the problem with that is there is a uh, credit check that is run. So even if Airbnb itself doesn't throw you out for offenses that it says you can't be involved in this platform anymore, the host can then be like, mm, still don't feel right about this. Don't want them here. Well, you said credit check. Do you mean background check, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But but part of that is tied to credit because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that information is... is. Um, but I, I think it's the background check that's particularly interesting because, yeah, if somebody's credit check fails, like, mm, I don't know if they'll pay, then maybe. That's di- that's a different than like, oh, they're, they're fine otherwise, but they were convicted for something a long time ago. Maybe I don't want them staying is is prejudice. Exactly. Now, there's a there's there's a there's an interesting question here. Yeah, is Airbnb right to err on the side of caution about this? One might say, well, yeah. I mean, you just you just don't want somebody, you know, hurting your property in any way or or making you unsafe because there is a transaction sharing economy quality to all of this. Airbnb is also not alone in how they have to deal with these things. Um, this actual year, Uber introduced ac- annual background checks on its drivers. But back in 2016, just a couple of years ago, the company relaxed rules on hiring drivers who had minor convictions, which is something that Airbnb is trying to deal with as well. These companies do want to grow. And it doesn't always make sense to just say, oh, anybody who's ever had an issue in the past shouldn't be part of the platform because that would potentially negate growth, right? TaskRabbit, same thing, uses a case-by-case approach uh, conducting criminal background checks for what it says is it's $60,000, 60,000 rather vetted workers and says, if a previous criminal conviction is flagged as part of those checks, a member of our team will perform an individualized assessment of each instance. So that's TaskRabbit saying, well, okay, so if somebody gets flagged, let's look into it a little bit more rather than throwing somebody out because again, a lot of task rabbits are, you know, people who are looking to make a little bit extra money on the side. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what might have happened a decade or two ago. I guess my question to all of you is, how do we feel about this? Because I think that for, and this is a sort of a hot button issue to me because I, I, I really do care about rehabilitation and I, you know, I believe in, in, uh, in a lot of the organizations that are involved with people who are currently incarcerated or formerly incarcerated who have a lot to contribute to society and, and, uh, you know, have changed. And, you know, that's a whole other conversation that I don't want to get too far into right now, but does Airbnb have to just say, well, better safe than sorry. 
Well, it's it's really super difficult because the thing is, everyone feels right, and to an extent, everyone is right in the in that context. Airbnb is doing what they should be doing. I think, as you very well put, a, a host is having someone into their personal space. So you want to be better safe than sorry. But in those each individual case, you feel like, well, better safe than sorry. But then you have to look at the uh, aggregate and the overall situation that this creates uh, on a societal level. Uh, and and maybe that's my European, you know, socialistic tendencies that uh, creep back up. But it, it is true. You have to look at what it does to uh, the, the common uh, space that you share. And someone that has been incarcerated supposedly has paid their debt to society. And sure, it's never going to be a uh, perfect um, uh, uh, situation after that because they will always carry that if on top of their status, they also can't, you know, go to Airbnbs or work for Ubers or work for TaskRabbit. It starts becoming an additional unreasonable weight. Uh, so I think there is something that it, it, I wouldn't say, let's start legislating on all of this right now, but I think it needs to be looked at. And in those situations, sometimes the solution is to get a disinterested party or as disinterested as possible to weigh in. And that can often be the government. But I mean, the point is this should is a situation that should be looked at carefully because it can have consequences. I, I think the only thing I want to add to our conversation, because you guys have made all the good, all the points basically is we wanted to feel safe. And so we pushed that responsibility out on things like background checks. That's not the only way, but it was like, hey, wait a minute. How do I know this person is safe? I, I, you, you can't just let anybody drive an Uber, rent an Airbnb. Background checks were an easy answer. Turns out, not a very good predictor for who's actually a risk. Uh, and, and that's the problem here is that actually the people who have served time, there's a lot of studies about this, are <laughs> less likely to commit other crimes just because they've aged out of it. Uh, it's it's people in their their teens and twenties that generally cause most of the crime. Doesn't mean they won't, but it's not a good predictor of it, and so it has these unforeseen consequences like this. I'll I'll add one thing: um, if we can get background checks on the hosts, uh, can I go to the place of the person that's been convicted for pot possession? That would be a, a pretty good. <laughs> indicator i'm just you know get might get some perks in that apartment you never know illegal perks except in certain states yeah interesting yeah, yeah. interesting I mean, tactic patrick you might have some legs uh yeah it's it's listen it's uh it this is a this is a very complex topic but i think it's you know it's worth it's worth bringing up uh the idea that somebody might not be hired for a job because of a past infraction whatever it may be that's one thing but to have a variety of services that, again, contribute to the overall economy in globally, um, that's, you know, it, it, it opens up the topic that much yeah. more. And the easy answers to fake news, harassment, back, you know, is not always the best answer. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You, 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 you submit topics like this, all sorts of topics and more, and we love you for it. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. What's in the mailbag these days, Sarah? 
Oh, glad you asked. John had some feedback on our Instapaper going independent story yesterday. And boy, did we get a lot of feedback. In fact, real quick, want to thank Dominic, Jeff, Chris, Mark, Randy, Alex, Steve, Yaro, Ian, Matt, and anybody else I missed because we got a lot of feedback. So thanks for the email, but we'll go with John's. He says, I try to keep up with a number of different blogs and online news sources but I scan the feed at different times than when I actually want to read articles. So if I go through my feed lead or other stories to see if something I'd like to read more closely later on is there, I'll send it to Pocket. Pocket was an Instapaper competitor that we talked about yesterday as well. And since some of those articles can be pretty large, I usually wait until I'm on Wi-Fi to download my Pocket queue to my phone to save mobile data. I also use Pocket to curate things I'd like to remember and then read again, such as news stories, how-tos, interviews, and the like. Yeah, there, there are definitely a few of you out there. Thanks for writing in. Thanks to everybody for writing in, and also thanks to Patrick Beja for being with us this fine Tuesday or Tuesday night where you are, Patrick. Uh, what's going on in Helsinki besides probably needing some air conditioning? Yeah, that would be nice. Um, well, I just recorded an episode of the Phileas Club with our good friend Brian Brushwood. Uh, that episode, uh, so the Phileas Club, for those who don't know, it's a show where we get different people from different countries, different backgrounds to uh, talk about the news. And that is uh, uh, what we usually do. But on some special episodes, we cover one topic. And on that one, we covered uh, libertarianism. That was a fascinating one-hour conversation. And uh, if you are curious about that school of thought, you might want to listen. And uh, you might realize that some of the things that you thought you would completely disagree with, you actually might think are good ideas. So there you go. Go check it out. It's on uh, – just go to frenchspin.com and you'll find it there. Excellent. Prime Brushwood is a magician, though, so maybe he pulled a trick on you. Uh -huh. I don't know. Apparently, I've been used as an example in this episode, so I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> you, you might have made a couple of appearances. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who supports the show directly at patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, that is one of the many fine ways that you can support the show, and it brings some perks of membership, uh, like Good Day Internet, our full pre- and post-show, along with DTNS, all in one fun show that talks a lot about Toto, food, and more. Uh, you can find that at <laughs> patreon.com slash DTNS. That's a really good tagline. Total food and more. <laughs> and it's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. Our email address, and thanks to everybody who submits feedback to us. Keep it coming, will ya? It's so great. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Tristan Jutras. Talk to you then. Bye. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.